Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter for everything. My hot takes, me bitching about whatever in the sports world. Betting stuff on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore for everything. Sports betting. You guys are looking to become part of the team. Let me know. DM me on that. We'll get you going. At ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy for fantasy football tidbits nfl draft stuff i'm gonna be starting next week releasing my draft rankings and where i think everyone should go sterling from silver star sports is gonna be coming on we're gonna be doing a mock draft also my five things from yesterday that's posted there at etoff 21 sports underscore horse underscore racing daily horse racing stuff you know posting winners there constantly we go Thursday through Sunday there. The other days I really don't bet ponies unless there's like some ridiculous carryover at a Fauna or Charlestown, whatever. And then I'll post it there. How's everyone doing today? It's April 10th. Got my second shot yesterday. Second COVID went shot, COVID vaccine shot, excuse me. Got the Pfizer shot. First one, arm was a little bit sore and it was a little weird. So I got the shot and felt like someone punched me in the arm and my hand was sore and it was warm. And my, where, where I got the shot, it felt like someone punched me there. But that lasted like a day. So yesterday, I go, I get the shot. And it was amazing to me how organized the place I went to get a shot was. It was like in and out. Boom, 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 boom. So, you know, I got my shot. It felt fine. Felt fine going up till last night. Last night around 9, I felt a little funky. Went to bed. So I went to bed really early, around 9. Those who know me, I usually go to bed around midnight. But go to bed at 9, woke up early as I always do, did my little ab circuit, and then today's shoulders. So at my place, you know, I don't go to a gym anymore. At my place, I have weights, resistance bands, and everything. And so I started doing my shoulder exercises, and my arm just starts fucking throbbing. So I had to stop my shoulder exercises. Like, it was pointless doing it. I form sucked. Because I was compensating with the arm pain. So I just decided to stop doing it. So then I decided to do my cardio. Hop on the Peloton. And I usually go for a longer ride Saturday morning. I usually do 45 minutes. Monday through Friday. Usually do an hour. An hour and a half ride on Saturday. So I decided okay. Let's do an hour ride. So I start doing an hour ride. And about 48 minutes in. My right ear just starts ringing. And my head is like pounding so I'm like Jesus Christ so I'm like it started I had to tank the ride which I fucking hate to do for the last 12 minutes it was fucking embarrassing fucking shitty ass outfit didn't get my miles I like to get every if I do a 45 minute ride I like to get 15 miles in that in that time hour 20 miles nowhere near it fucking embarrassing numbers and yeah so right now, I feel like utter fucking shit. I got a fever, so you guys got to bear with me today. I will do my best to get through this. And today's show, um, I'm going to talk a little NBA. Obviously, I wasn't on Gino this week. He did his podcast a little earlier with all the WrestleMania stuff that is going on this week. So I will be talking about my thoughts the NBA from the week before, from the past week. A couple of college coaches got fired. New jobs opening up. Arizona and Cincinnati, I'll talk about who I think should replace those guys. 
And then lastly, we have Martinsville tonight on Saturday. So Brandon talked with him yesterday. So this is recorded yesterday on Friday. Him and I give a quick little preview of the Martinsville race. We both like two guys, and those are the two guys we're rolling with. So let's hop right into it. So the big thing this week was obviously Good Friday. Paul Pierce posting that video on Instagram live. Strippers bouncing their asses and thongs up and down. Him smoking blunts. Telling some escort to come meet him at the club, at the at the pad. Drinking. And the funny thing about all that is, number one, these pro athletes, they have you sign these non NSD, like, so you can't, like, say anything. So you can't, like, really, like, can't take photos with them. You know, you can't really do anything when you're in these private settings. And I've experienced this a couple times. Number one, one of my friends, one of my good friends, played in the NBA, won the NBA title, won a couple NBA titles, excuse me, um, grew, you know, played basketball with him growing up. He works for an organization now. He will not allow me, because of the stuff I do, to have any association with me. Any at all. We talk. We're friends. We go out. We never take pictures together. We're not friends on Facebook. Nothing. Same thing with one of my buddies who's... I No. Same thing with all my friends that work in the NFL. I have four friends that still work in the NFL. Same thing. We don't have any pictures. We talk on the phone. That's it. Not friends on Facebook. Because they're afraid, because of what I do... The NFL or NBA will look at, which is fine. My buddy, everyone knows I am in the Chicagoland area. Last year's All-Star game was in Chicago. Buddy flew up. We did the whole All-Star game thing. We went out. No pictures. None at all. Because he didn't want to be associated with me, which I get and I understand. Because of what I do. So these players take great precaution. And... Another example, and this one, classic example, um, I was up at the Brewers game, and I had to take a piss, and Brewers playoff games are great. They have standing room, we always get standing room, and then we always kind of fiddle our way down to a seat that's open. That's me and my, my buddy, Dave, that's what we do, that's our that's our strategy. So, we're there at wildcard game against uh, Colorado they were playing, it was a couple years ago. And I had to take a piss. I go to take a piss. And huge line. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk up to the second level to see if there's a shorter line. Because the line was insane. So I'm walking up. And son of a bitch, I see a guy that plays for the fucking Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm like, shit, dude. So I go up. I start BSing with him. Start talking. He's asking me where I'm sitting. I'm like, we just have standing room only. And I, he's like, well, dude, I got this suite. You know, we got some extra room. If you... You want to come up? You have any boys with you? I'm like, yeah, I got one. So me and my buddy, we got invited up to the suite of this NBA player. So we go up in the suite. And he, who I'm not going to say because I saw signed one of those NSD agreements. He, you know, I had to sign one of those. Had to take the camera out. He was adamant, hey, no pictures up here. Anything. Just you can drink, eat anything you want, enjoy the game. I'm like, fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? All this for free? Are you shit? Yeah. So these athletes take all these precautions so that way they're not caught in situations that make them look bad. So that makes me think that this was intentionally done by Pierce. I know their stories and I believe them of him making all his boys sign NSD and 
not allowed to bring their phones in. Why else would he do it? You know what I mean? Like, maybe he did want to get out at ESPN. He's been working for something because working towards something like to go to Barstool because Barstool is rumored to be interested. in. So I just I don't know. The whole thing just seems very weird to me. Like it was planned by Pierce. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. He did look high and drunk in the video. So I don't know. But the whole thing with it, it just seems a little bit too coincidental that he would be doing all that. None of his boys would say anything, especially after he made them drop off all their cell phones and he's just going on Instagram live. And let's face I mean, what was the I mean, he smoked marijuana. Marijuana is basically legal in every state. He was drinking, which he's allowed to do. And there was women in basically bikinis, a little scandalous, but bikinis dancing. No, no nudity, no nothing. So ESPN did fire him. I really thought it was a stretch firing him, but, you know, whatever. Um, but I really think that he knew he was going to get fired. So the more and more I think about it, I think Pierce knew exactly what he was doing, and this is his way out of ESPN. One of the teams that have been playing really well is the Atlanta Hawks since they made the switch from Lloyd Pierce to Nate McMillan. And everyone knows me. I'm not a Trey Young guy. People are hitting me up. Oh, you're wrong with him. What do you think now? Well, I mean, let's look at the stats, guys. With Lloyd Pierce, Young, 26.5 points, 9.5 assists. 43% 43% field goal range, 36% three-pointer. With Nate, 23 points, 9.5 assists, 44 field goal, and 37% field goal. So he's scoring more. He's scoring less points with Nate. The thing that's go, that Nate got him to do is move the ball more. He's moving the ball. He's not coming down dribbling and hoisting up these threes. Nate at least got him to buy in. Hey, pass the ball, run around a little bit. We'll hit it to him on a pick or a down screen or whatever. So he's playing within a li- the offense a little bit more. and he, But he, the whole thing is, he's, he's such a liability on defense. And then you bring in Lou Williams, who's a worse defender than Trey Young. So you have your two best scoring options on the wing, what like, who can't be on the floor together. They're on the floor together last night against the Bulls for a little bit. And I'm like, why aren't you just attacking these guys? That really struck me as weird that Donovan wasn't going at them a little bit more. But back to the Hawks as a whole, McMillan, I'll give him credit. He's got he's been able to relate to the players. He has everyone buying into the system, and that is why they are winning. And people are like, well, you gotta watch out from the East. They're up to the fifth seed. Yeah, I know. They're 15 and 4 since McMillan came aboard. Out of those 19 games, how many were against teams with a winning record? Two. The Heat and the Lakers. They beat the Heat on the first game after a coaching switch. Teams usually give a little bit more of an effort after they switch to a coaches. They're a little bit more locked in. They want to kind of prove that the the other co- the coach that went out was the problem. And the Lakers after LeBron went down. So, I mean, they're basically just beating the shitty teams in the NBA. That's it. They're beating the shitty teams in the NBA. And the general NBA fan wants to buy in and say, hey, this team is a contender which they are. This team, I mean, they're going to lose first round no matter who they play. I mean, right now, as of this morning, on Sun, on, excuse me, Saturday, April 10th, the Hawks are fifth in the, in the East, and the Hornets are above them. So let's 
Hornets, no Hayward, so they're going to fall down. So the Hornets are going to drop down. But the team that's right behind them is the Miami Heat. So more than likely, they're going to play the Heat in or the Celtics or the Bucks. One of those one of those three teams in the first round of the playoffs. And they're not going to they're not going to win one of those. There's no way. There is no way that they will win one of those. So we just got to kind of pump the brakes and slow down in the Atlanta Hawks hype dragon. Yes, are they playing better? Yes, but they're just being the teams they should beat. So let's kind of calm down with people saying this is a dark horse team in the East. They're not. First round and out. Great they made the playoffs. Good for them. First round and out for sure. One of the teams that is struggling, San Antonio Spurs. Now let's face it. Spurs are kind of in that dead zone. They have all these older guys. They got rid of Aldridge. They have some young guys that have shown glimpses. But they don't have that quote-unquote game-changing talent. Yes, Murray has developed. White has developed. Walker has shown glimpses. Johnson has showed glimpses. They don't have that guy that's going to be the quote-unquote man. The next in the great line of Spurs players. Should they have traded Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, and Delmar DeRozan? Yes, they should have. Because those guys realistically should not be coming back next year. Spurs need to go to the youth movement. They need to get rid of those guys. And they should have traded them to take anything they should have. Because there are playoff teams that would want what those veterans bring to help them make the playoff push. And you have to play your young guys to develop. I've said on this show, I've said on the Geno show, how you get better in this league is you have to be on the court playing. There's only so much that you can take in from being on the sidelines, from not, from practicing. You have to be on and see the speed of the game and learn in NBA situations what to do. And that's what those young guys need. So by them not closing out games, Gay and Mills getting the minutes, it's hurting the development. This team is in an utter dead zone right now. And honestly, the best team, the best thing for this team would be to miss the playoffs. And they can get in this lottery. Because guys, I'm telling you, this NBA lottery is jacked. And they could hit on a guy, and that could be the next guy in the long line of Spurs, Spurs greats. So I really think the Spurs team has done an injustice. I mean, granted, they started out playing great, but... They need to move on from the old guys and let the young guys play and start building for the future. Another team that is in fuego is the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets, since trading for Aaron Gordon, they're 5-0, and Aaron Gordon's got a plus 69. And the thing to remember is this. Okay, let's look at this Nuggets team. You have Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter. So there's three guys right there. And Porter, you can argue. So I'll just say two. That's two guys right there. Murray, joke, Joker. That you're going to try to stop before you stop Aaron Gordon. So when you get guys like Aaron Gordon and they go to a team with one with that have one, and this Nuggets have two guys that are all-stars, superstars that can score, you're obviously going to get better looks and do better than you were doing in a shitty situation. Why? Because you're the third option here. You're the third fucking option. And that is why Gordon is doing well, because teams are saying, hey, you know what? I'd rather have Aaron fucking Gordon beat me than Djokovic, Djokovic, I'm sorry, not the tennis player, Joker, or uh, or Maury. That is what they're doing. So everyone's like, oh, he's playing so great. No, he's not. He, he is playing great, but he's getting more opportunity because defenses give a rat's ass about him. So we have to remember that. We have to stop like saying, oh, he's playing great. we got to understand why he's playing great. 
he's getting buckets cutting to the rim when two when twos are going at at Joker in the high post or in the low post. And Joker's just hitting him on the cut. He's already scored in six games. On cuts to the basket, more points than he scored all this year in Orlando. What does that tell you? I mean, just just think about that for a minute. He has that little of a sample size, and he's always already scoring on cuts to the basket because twos are running at Joker, and Joker is hitting him on the cut. He didn't have that in Orlando. So that just shows you guys that, yeah, is he playing good? Yeah, but, I mean, he's thriving because of the people that are around him. Um, also, with Denver, they are shooting an insane 52.1% in clutch shooting. What is clutch shooting? That's a five-point game in the two-minute mark. So when the game's on the line, they're shooting great. And field goal percentage overall is 48.8. Porter is finally learning, hey, I don't need to force I can let the offense come to me, which is helping him. And he's starting to play a little bit more within the offensive scheme. He's not trying to go one-on-one. And he seems engaged on the defensive end as much as he he can be. He's a liability on the defensive end. We all know that. He was getting subbed out of games in the bubble last year. And that hurt the Nuggets. But so far in the regular season, and we can all agree that regular season basketball is different than playoff basketball. Porter is locked in and trying on the defensive end. And Will Barton, who at the beginning of the year was bitching about wanting to start and money and everything, has finally said, hey, I'll accept my role, and I understand if we win, we'll get money. So Mike Malone has got all these guys buying in. They have Gordon, who's coming in, who, like I said, is a plus 69. He's a plus 69 since he got to uh, to Denver on what they need to do to be successful and say, hey, if we win as a team, we'll get paid as a team. And that's important to remember. And Malone has those guys biting in and sipping the Kool-Aid on that same. So Denver is playing really good. And Gordon, the great thing about Gordon is he can guard those guys. Um, Leonard, James, those big athletic wings. So this was a great pickup for the Nuggets, and the Nuggets have been playing well since they picked them up. Now a team that's been struggling. Obviously, and they have an excuse because they're missing one of the best shooters, two-way off-guards to play Clay Thompson, the Golden State Warriors. They drafted Jay Wiseman, and let's face it, Wiseman looks like a young, inexperienced kid. There's times he looks lost, times he looks great. Missed a COVID shot, Kerr got pissed and benched him. Do I think they have something in him? Of course I do. Of course I think they have something in him. But it's just going to take time because he needs time on the court in the NBA setting to understand and take everything in. Plus, he needs to mature. I mean, he needs to understand what it needs to be to be an NBA player. I mean, think about it. You're 1920. You go out to California. You have all the money in the world. What the hell are you doing? Chicks and partying when you're 20. You're not being mature, more than likely. Some of you men, if you will, hey, more power to you. But I know how I was when I was 20. Out late boozing, picking up chicks. That was me when I was 20. And then you throw in multi-million dollars. Come on, guys. He just needs to mature and he needs experience on the court and he'll be fine. And then also another issue they have is this whole Kelly Oubre issue. Kelly Oubre wanting to start 
and not he's saying he's a starter, and then somebody, and let's face it, we all know it was Draymond Green, went on the Andrew Bogat podcast, and excuse me, Bogat said on the podcast that one of the players is pissed off, like, Iguodala would come off the bench, no, you won't. We all know that's Draymond Green, so that's a little bit of an issue there. And here's my thing with Draymond Green. Yeah, Draymond Green playing defense, being a leader, you know, being defense is good. But if he doesn't have those other guys, he really struggles. When it's on him to be the quote-unquote man, he really struggles. When he's the third guy, you know, he does great. When he's the second guy, eh. You know, he can get hit stuff for some threes and everything because they work in sync together. But Draymond, in my eyes, is a little overrated. And I know I'm going to get um, cut back from that. But he's a little bit overrated. And the thing is, you look at them defensively. Now, I know they're missing Clay, who's one of the best defenders in the league. They're allowing 117.3 points a game. That's not going to win anything in this NBA, allowing that much. So... Obviously, missing Clay, they're scoring more threes. Now there's all these rumors coming out about LeBron going after Curry, which I really don't think. I really don't think Curry will be leaving Golden State. I think he's a lifer in Golden State. And people wanting to fire Steve Kerr. People that want to fire Steve Kerr, I'm going to say this to them. Remember, when the head of the ship leaves, the ship tends to fall apart. When the, So let's just remember that. It's happened numerous times in sports. Look at Phil Jackson. When Phil Jackson has left the team, shambles. So those of you calling for Curtis Head, I'd wait till next year, get through next year, see how it see how it is. Wiggins in the system for another year. Maybe Kelly Obre. You'll have Curry, Thompson healthy, another year of Wiggins, of Weissmith developing. I think next year they'll be fine and can make a push to the higher seed. So I wouldn't call for Curtis Head just to quite yet. And the last team I want to talk about is the Phoenix Suns. They're doing way better than I thought they would with Chris Paul. They're often overlooked. And the reason is, is Chris Paul is just a leader. He's making everyone around them better. But real quick, did you guys see that ESPN top 10 under 25? And what was Booker? Like 8? He was 8 on that list. How the fuck is Devin Booker 8 on that list? People don't really understand how good D-Book is. And it just blows my mind that a company like ESPN, who taught numerous ties to the NBA, they spent all that money on the NBA, whatnot, cannot understand how good he is and puts fucking LaMelo Ball at three? Are you fucking kidding me? How delusional can you be? It just blows my mind. And But that's kind of like the Phoenix Suns. No one understands how good this team is. Maybe it's because they're playing on the West Coast and it's East Coast biased. But this team right now, they could legitimately make it to the finals. You have Chris Paul, who's in the playmaker role, allowing Booker to play off the ball more. You have Booker that can spot up and get it when Paul drives. You have, He can take people off the dribble. You can do pick and roll with him and um, Aiken, whoever. You have Paul, who's getting players in the right spots. You have... Aiken, whose field goal percentage is up seven points. His field goal percentage is up seven points. Um, Bridges, he's up in every single statistical thing. So he's obviously taken that step up. The bench is averaging 35.6 points a game, one of the better benchers, and they're eighth in the league in three-point shooting. 
I mean, what Chris Paul has been able to take this team over the hump, which, I mean, kudos to him, kudos to Monty, Monty Williams. I mean, this team is going to be an exciting team to watch in the playoffs. And I really hope the Lakers get it together so they, unfor- they don't have to play the Lakers in the first round. God, can you imagine the Phoenix Suns finish second? And then they have to play the goddamn Los Angeles Lakers in the second round. That would just be fucking brutal for them. Now we have a couple college coaches that got fired this past week. And now I'm going to talk about who I think should be the replacement for them. Obviously, Brennan, the guy from Cincinnati, got canned. My top three for them, number one, Eric Martin. He played at Cincinnati under Huggins, played pro ball for 10 years, NBA overseas, and he was an assistant coach in since uh, 06. He was with Huggy at K-State, followed him to West Virginia. He knows what Cincinnati basketball is all about. Been there during its heyday when it had success. I really think he's a number one, the number one A-plus hire would be great there. And like I said, he's familiar with the area. He knows what it takes. He's learned all these years from Huggy. I think he would be a great hire. No-brainer. Number two, Archie Miller. Archie Miller just got fired from Indiana. We all know his time at Indiana was a disastrous. I He didn't make the NCAA tournament, but when he was at Dayton in that mid-major level, not in a Power 5 conference, and I'm sorry, Cincinnati basketball, you guys aren't a Power 5 conference, he had success. He was great at Dayton. He had that Elite 8 run. He's proven he can recruit. He's gotten some great players to come at Indiana. He just hasn't been able to get those guys over the hump. So I really think that he would be a great hire. And let's face it, he's out of the game right now. He wants any opportunity to come back into coaching and to show Indiana, hey, fuck you. I'm good at this. You fucked up by letting me go. So he would be an insanely good hire, and I think he'd be able to get some good players and keep the local talent from Cincinnati in city. So I think he would be a great hire. And also, my, my third choice for them would be Nick Van Exel. And the one thing with Nick Van Exel, and I'm going to start off with saying this, and I'll tell you guys a little bit about his credentials, is right now he's coaching in the NBA. He was on the Grizzly staff, and then now he's coaching in the G League. Now, you guys need to understand that a lot of guys, they just want to coach in the NBA. They don't want to go down to college. And that is why I have Van Exel at three, because I really think because of his heydays, because he was in the 90s, he was the guy. He was the guy. Smooth left-hander. Well, he played 13 seasons in the NBA, All-American at Cincinnati. And if Kenyon Martin didn't get hurt, he probably would have won a Natty title with him. I think he would be a great hire if he wants the job because he was there. He knows what it takes to play in the NBA. Kids would want to play for a former NBA guy that knows what it takes to make in the league. But, like I said, certain guys just want to coach in the NBA. So the fact he's been coaching the NBA kind of tells me that's his end game. He wants to get an NBA coaching job. So I don't think he would dip down to college because there's always that perceived notion and let's face it, it's kind of been right. The only guys in recent memories that have kind of broke the trend were Donovan and Stevens. Patino couldn't do it. Uh, John Calipari couldn't do it, is make the jump from coaching college to the NBA. So if Van Exel's real true end game is to coach in the NBA level, I think it would be silly for him to take the job. And the other big coaching 
vacancy is the Arizona Wildcats. Miller is out. Top three candidates, Damon Stoudemire, Arizona legend. Yes, I know he's at Pacific right now. His record is a disappointing 71-77, and 77, but he did have a 21 season this year. He was the WCC Coach of the Year. He's also a former Arizona head coach. He has five-year ex- experience coaching at a college level. He's a legend. He's had NBA success, and he's been an assistant at Arizona. I think it's a no-brainer for him. Just get Damon in there. Let him do his thing. Number two, Miles Simon. He won the only national championship at Arizona in 97. He's been an assistant since 2017. I know he interviewed for the job. But again, it goes back to the same point I made with Van Exel. If these guys are coaching at the NBA level, that tends to indicate that that's their end game. They want to be an NBA coach. So if Simon really wants to be an NBA coach, Why would he want to go to Arizona and coach college? So that would be the one hiccup, and that's why I have him at two. I still think Damon Stoudemire would be the the best hire because he has been coaching college for the last five seasons. And number three, a little bit off the wall here, Luke Walton. Kings are under-improving this year. This is his second stick as a coach. Obviously, once he gets fired this offseason, it is going to be damn near impossible, I think, for him to get a coaching job just because of how disastrous him coaching teams has been. And I really think if he does want to be a head guy, he's going to have to take a step back and go to the college ranks. Why not go to his alma mater where he did have success? Now, we have to remember with Wallen, he did start in college coaching, too. He did start coaching at Memphis, so he has been around the college game with him being in the NBA, being a former coach that and a former player at Arizona, that could help draw in interest and bring in some players because Arizona does have a wealth of basketball talent. But again, I think it's a pretty much a no-brainer. You gotta take Damon Stoudemire and you gotta get him and you know try to get this Arizona Wildcat program back to where it was. But it's kind of funny, like people think of Arizona like it's this huge prestigious university. It's got one national championship. I mean, it's got one national title. That's it. Literally one national title. But everyone has this thing like it's this like basketball powerhouse. And yeah, I know that constantly the one seed in the NCAA tournament, constantly a Pac-12 powerhouse. But in terms of winning it all, they just really haven't done it. And I really think Stademeyer could get it back to the level it was at and push it to that next tier. Now I'd like to welcome Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports back to the show to preview the Martinsville race for this evening. Brando, how you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Dude, I got no complaints, man, at all. So let's jump right into the race. I mean, this is going to be like a first time we actually like the same person. We're actually like your boy Chase Elliott. I locked him in at 6-1. Yeah. to one. Why don't you tell everyone why you like Chase? you look at last year, he had to win to get into the championship, and he started up front, uh, failed inspection, had to start dead last, drove all the way back to the front, had pit road issues, dropped back to the middle, and then just drove to the front to get into uh, to get into the, uh, the championship. So seeing a guy do that, we've talked about it before, when teams have success like this, what do they do? They bring the same car that they won, they won with last year. So I'm huge on him at five or six to one with whatever site you can grab him at. 
And to your point, there's not really Hamlin will be there. Uh, Kozlowski will be there. Logano will be there. Those guys will be in the running, but why not take the guy that just dominated the previous race there? Exactly. All those guys you mentioned are under 10 to 1. I'm going to take the guy that historically has done well. You mentioned how much he dominated. These are his speed rank ratings. Laps 1 through 125 second, laps 125 through 250, and laps 250 through 375 first, lap 375 through 500 second. I mean, that was just dominant speed. Same stall as last year. One win, three top fives, five top tens in his six races at Martinsville. And also, he's done well on a short track. I don't I don't understand how you cannot bet Chase Elliott this week. I don't know. I don't get I agree it. 100%. And if you want to take a swing, we both like uh, Kurt Busch and his short track history at 29 to 1. But I'm not going to sit here and flutter money over different drivers like we do in the past at certain races. I'd rather go all in on one big one and keep it moving. Exactly. I mean, like, the way I look at it stuff, I generally have, like, four to six units out on a race. But that's because we do have, like, some dogs that we like, some heavy prices, some heavy ROIs. I mean... The only one I like is Bush. I'm I'm throwing half a half a U on Bush, and I'm throwing one U on Elliott. There's really, I mean, I wish there was more stuff we could kind of dive into for this race, but we really, we really can't because it's kind of short and, and sweet. And if your guy's not starting near the front, this track is historically known for not really being able to pass, and laps laps take away within seconds, and. If you got a mid-pack guy, there's going to have to be some strategy for him to get to the front. Elliott starts, I believe, on row three. Yep. Um, so he's starting right where he needs to be, and I wouldn't be surprised. Truex, Truex is another guy that, that has been really, really well at that track. Um, so if you had to say, well, I'm not big on Elliott and I do want to look elsewhere, he's there with basically the same odds but I'm still going to lean towards, towards Elliott in general. And he's due for a win, man. He, he's He's had a rough start to the year. He's been in good equipment. It just it hasn't worked for him to get that momentum going that we talk about with some of these drivers, and I think this week is it for him. Now, in terms of, like, I'm I'm totally against Kurt Busch this, like, not Kurt, excuse me, Kyle Busch this week just because of how he struggled on every track that's not a mile and a half. Is there anyone that you are not with this week? Um, William Byron. Uh, I think he's 22 to 1. Uh, I'm not with him. I actually listened to him today talk about his inconsistency. Half his races at short tracks like this, he's top 10. Other half, he's outside of the top 20. So a lot of inconsistency there. He is starting towards the front, but I'm still going to fade him. Just because if if you have a driver explain why he's having inconsistent finishes at short tracks, he's going to sit in that car tomorrow and be like, all right, What's it going to be? And he's going to have issues. So I'm, I'm not I'm not a fan of that. So my avoid is Kyle Busch. If you guys find someone in a head-to-head, you like him. Of course, remember, don't play head-to-heads greater than 125. Brando's fade is William Byron. And we both pretty much have the same guys. Um, the one big question I did want to ask you is you went to the Bristol track last two weekends ago. How was it to finally be back at Live Sports? Oh, it was amazing. Um, it was great. The social distancing was still pretty good. Um, 
But I'll tell anybody that's concerned about going to an event like this, and I've said it from day one, you can dictate your own social distancing, guys. If you, yes, you got to get in the line to check a ticket, but if you're uncomfortable, wear your mask. Once you get to your seat, it's you and whoever you're with, and you can socially distance yourself. So if you have an opportunity to go to a race, please do. Um, besides getting covered in dirt, it was awesome to see those guys slinging on dirt, and uh, I think you're going to see more tracks doing it. Awesome. The big rumor here in Chicago is they're going to have a road course in the downtown area next summer. That's the big rumor going around here. Um, you had some success. If so, I hope you're here. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry? No, I said if so, I hope your Airbnb is open because I would be making my first ever trip to Chicago. <laughs> I definitely have a spare room, so you're definitely invited, my man. Um, <laughs> you had a um, a good week for you in iRacing. Why don't you tell everyone about your iRacing week? Yeah, it's been great, guys. Uh, Road to Pro, we were on week three. Um, had a couple mediocre finishes, nothing bad. Um, was sitting 213th in points out of 1,500. They take the top 70 out of round one and move them to round two. We have five weeks ago. We had a solid P10 last night. Um, and I am my own driver right now. Uh, I do have a guy that helps me with setups. Uh but the good news is I got a message today that I may be getting an offer to move on to a team with three other drivers in Road to Pro. We are now sitting 108, only 97 points out of that 70th spot. And uh, not this Thursday coming up, but next Thursday, we will be at my favorite track, Talladega. So, uh, yeah, just a lot going on. You being on board on the truck, it's, things are finally starting to get within reach. And I'm super stoked about it. Awesome, my man. Why don't you tell uh, everyone where they can find you? Yeah, guys, sports-wise, Boston Sports, it's off the post. Boston Sports on uh, Instagram and Facebook and twitch.tv forward slash bostonboy83 for all my iRacing. Awesome, guys. Make sure you uh, are following Brandon and check out that iRacing in a couple weeks. Brandon, thanks for coming on, my man. Thanks, bud. If you guys are not following Brandon, make sure you do. Make sure you support him. On his iRacing, he's come on, he's given out some winners. So just to recap, we both like Mr. Chase Elliott and Kurt Busch this week. So that's it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, rate me, whatever it is you do on this. I'll be back hopefully on Monday if this second shot doesn't have me knocked out. Great day of sports. You know, I'll be posting you know, free horse racing picks at, at etof 21 sports underscore horse underscore racing. Nice little pick five carryover at Tampa Bay Downs today. On we have UFC in the afternoon, WrestleMania tonight, baseball throughout the day. Great day, guys. Be safe, be well, and I'll talk to you all soon.